Praise the Lord, everyone. I can hear all the young people. Can I hear from the adults? Praise the Lord, everyone. Fantastic. Well, it is good to see you all here tonight. I'm very, very thankful to be here with you. Um, I'm glad that you're here, that the Lord can speak to you and deal with you and develop you and draw you closer to him. There's a few announcements that I'm going to share with you tonight. On April 24th, please remember, is Election Day. This is a voting precinct where we'll uh, take place in the A Center. On Saturday, uh, also April 24th, we will have men's prayer, but it will be in the sanctuary because they will be voting in the, uh, the A Center. And Sunday, May 2nd, we will be honoring our graduates. Um, I think we're up to four, Brother Dave, please. Very excited. Please contact the church office if you're graduating and you'd like to participate. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I have something I'd like to share with you tonight just for a few moments. I've asked Brother Dave for his indulgence, and he's been very kind to give me some time. I had a conversation here recently. It was a conversation with a person of some material wealth. And this person was excited, rightly so, uh, because they, they were a person interested in artwork and antiques and all these things that I don't even think about. And in the course of the conversation, this individual had shared with me the, how they had purchased, they had gone to a certain place and uh, because of their relationship with this antiques dealer, they had made some very, very good purchases um, of, in the tune of, of, of around $100,000, but they had paid a lot less. And they had insured it for that, so it was, it was truly of that value, but they had paid a fraction of that cost, and, and I was happy for them. But it had, as God often does, Brian, whenever we hear things and we leave, he kind of starts dealing with our minds and teaches us a lesson. And the conversation kind of brought something to my mind, that the value of something is not necessarily dependent upon what you paid for it. The value of something is not necessarily dependent upon what you paid for it. Why is that relevant to us here tonight? There are verses and entire passages of Scripture that I think all of you know that have become very common in, in the lexicon of Christian, the Christian vocabulary. We, we quote these Scriptures all the time. Scriptures like Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We say that all the time. How about Colossians 1, 21, through, uh, 21 and 22? And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. What does that have to do with the value of something not being necessarily what you paid for it? Well, the salvation and the relationship that we have with the Lord is a gift, but it wasn't free. It was a gift, but it wasn't free. How often, and I was a little bit smote in my heart whenever I thought about this, how often do we think about the cost of the salvation that we enjoy? It was free to us, but we, do we consciously think about that? 
One writer said this, salvation is a free gift, but it is not a cheap one. It costs you and I nothing, but it costs God dearly. It cost him his life, his suffering, and his humiliation, and the pain on the cross. In physically dying on the cross, Jesus sacrificed himself and satisfied the debt that we have incurred through sin so that it is possible for God and man to be reconciled. I wonder if it's sometime in this, the remainder of this week if we can stop and consider the cost of the cross to the one who loved us enough to die on it. God bless you tonight. Brother Dave. Well, thank you, Brother Ben. Good evening, Grace Church. How is everyone doing this evening? Why don't you look nearby to a neighbor, to someone sitting nearby, give them a big smile, let them know you're glad to see them on a Wednesday night. I'm glad to see you. I hope you're glad to see me. It's good to be seen. And um, thank you, Brother Ben, for that amazing uh, illustration. What a wonderful word. Um, so with that, we'll just dismiss and, uh, and go home. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, thank you, Brother Ben. Wonderful, wonderful word. Appreciate your, uh, your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost and for your assistance here in the service tonight. It means so very much. Um, I do want us to, uh, to pray together by way of, of, of getting ready for the Word of God, setting a stage for the Word of God, getting our minds and our hearts collected. Uh, how many of you know that, especially on Wednesday night, you, you've been working all day, you've been out in, the, in, the, in, in society all day, and sometimes it just takes a minute to settle your spirit, settle your mind, and just get ready for the Word of God. So I do want us to pray uh, to that end tonight and also welcome the presence of the Lord together. Can we do that right now? In Jesus' name, Lord, I am so thankful for another opportunity to be in your house with your people, with your word and your presence. And Lord, I just want to dismiss the, the happenings of the day, the good, the bad, whatever came my way today. I want to set all of that aside and just for the next few minutes, I want to focus on what you have for me and what you have for our church and what you have for our campus and for all the wonderful people that will hear this on live stream. And so I just pray, God, that you would do that for us, that we could bring our, our thoughts into focus, our hearts into focus, and that you would speak to us in a mighty way. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. And I do want to formally welcome all of you here, those joining on Facebook Live and live stream. Thank you for making Grace Church a part of your evening. And I know the word of God will be a blessing to you. Before we, before we go to the Word of God, can I just share something with you just, just by way of inspiration? I, I came across this the last couple of weeks while I was reading and studying, and it meant a lot to me, and, and I just want to share it with you if that's okay, just, just by way of inspiration, kind of like Brother Ben just shared uh, some inspiration with us uh, from, his, from his day. A minister in Indianapolis, in the Indianapolis area, was attending a Rotary Club meeting and when it came time to introduce himself to the group and explain his profession, instead of just standing up and giving his name and saying, well, I'm a preacher in town, he decided to give the following explanation of his life and what he does for a living. He said, quote, I'm with a global enterprise. We have branches in every country of the world. We have representatives in nearly every parliament and boardroom on earth. We're into motivation and behavior modification. 
We run hospitals, feeding stations, crisis pregnancy centers, universities, publishing houses, and nursing homes. We care for our clients from birth to death. We are into life insurance and fire insurance. We perform spiritual heart transplants. Our original organizer owns all real estate on earth plus an assortment of galaxies and constellations. He knows everything and lives everywhere. And by the way, our product is free for the asking. Our CEO was born in a hick town, worked as a carpenter, didn't own a home, was misunderstood by his family and hated by his enemies. He walked on water, was con condemned to death without a trial and arose from the dead. And I talk with him every single day. How about that? I like that. So the next time you have the opportunity to introduce yourself to a group, maybe you could use that as an introduction. I like it. I like it. God bless you today. Let's read some verses of scripture. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9 will be our text. As always, if you have your Bible Love for you to follow along with us. I'll give you just a second to turn there while you're turning there. I'm going to continue tonight. Over the last month, maybe a little longer, Pastor has been talking to us on Wednesday nights about vision. Uh, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, he talked about choices. Um, I've heard a lot of excellent feedback on his study on Joseph a couple of week, uh, Wednesday nights ago. And it was excellent. It was amazing. I want to continue on in that idea, in that, that course that he has charted for us, that journey he has set us on, uh, and talk about vision here tonight. I'd like to weigh in. I'd like to continue the theme and hopefully add some value to you tonight by talking some more about vision. So let's take a text tonight from Galatians chapter 6. We'll read verses 7 through 9. Paul writing to the Galatians. Be not deceived... God is not mocked. And here's the truth. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And finally, verse 9, let us not be weary... Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if and only if we faint not. And so tonight, I just want to talk to you using that, that reading as a, as a launching place, how to achieve your vision. How to achieve your vision. And what I want to outline here tonight is not theoretical, it's not uh, textbook or, or laboratory experiments. This is very practical. And if you're here tonight, and, and everybody here is capable of producing a vision, capable with coming up with a dream or a goal or a vision for your life, and I'm surveying the crowd, everybody here tonight is in that category, then what we're going to talk about tonight, anybody can do. If you can, ha if you can have a vision for your life, you can achieve that vision using the material we're going to share tonight. It's really that simple and that easy. So tonight, how to achieve your vision. As I reference pastors' excellent studies over the last several weeks and, and maybe over the course of a month or so, I, 
I hope that everybody, as a result of that, now has a vision, not only for your life, but for your family, for your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and especially a vision, a goal, a dream, an idea of how you can be useful in the kingdom of God. Hopefully in this environment of Grace Church, in this church culture that we are, hopefully everyone here, everyone that's a part of Grace Church watching on live stream has come to the realization that you are useful to the kingdom of God. You have something to add to the kingdom of God. If not, then go back to the website and watch the podcast of pastor's presentations. But once that is established in your mind, hopefully you even wrote it down. Once you've got a clear idea, clear vision, clear goals, clear direction, how do you go about the hard work, the task, the day in, the day out of making those dreams and that vision come to pass? How is that done? How do you actually practically put feet on your vision? One definition of vision is as follows. It's the one I favor. It's the one I like. It makes the most sense to me. The definition somebody gave of vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. A picture of the future that produces passion. For my personality type, the producing passion part is very easy. It's very easy for me to get excited and passionate about an idea, about a goal, about a dream, about a vision, about a mission. We just finished up Grace Steps on Wednesday nights with a, with a brand new class, grand, brand new Grace Church members that have gone through Grace membership. And we spend a whole evening on personality and giftings. And it's always a fascinating time. I get a, it's really, really a, a great class. It's a great time together to watch people discover their giftings and their personality and their they, 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 their callings even, and they realize that, hey, this is why I behave in certain ways. This is why I respond in certain ways. This is why I interact with, with others, my team members, spouse, members of my family the way I do because of my personality and giftings that are unique to me. And my personality type, we, we call it in the class by, by names of animals, I'm the otter. The otters, we're, we're very excitable little creatures, us, us otters. We otters, I should say. And so it's very easy for otters to be excited about a mission, a vision. We really don't need to know any more than what the vision is to get excited about it. We really don't bother too much with how to accomplish the vision. We don't need a lot of details. We don't want to talk about the, the, the day in and the day out accomplishing the vision. We just want to be excited about the vision. It's that follow through, the concrete steps that can be so challenging for Otters, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. As I was, a, several years ago, as I was approaching my 40th birthday, I was reading David McCullough's excellent biography on John Adams. And there's a statement in there, in the book, it just leapt off the page to me. It said, uh, McCullough wrote about Adams. He said, quote, he was 40 years old and he was a revolutionary. And oh man, that just absolutely excited me. Man, I was getting close to 40 myself and I just knew that I could be a rev Going into my 40s, I could be a revolutionary. I was excited. I wrote it down. Never mind that I had no idea about what I wanted to be a revolutionary for 
or exactly what kind of world change I wanted to affect or what it was I was going to do in my 40s. I just was excited about being a revolutionary. So I texted, I texted Farah that quote. She thought it was so amazing. I said, he was 40 years old and he was a revolutionary. She responded to my text and I quote, Would you take the ground meat out of the freezer so that I can cook supper when I get home? That is the story of our marriage in two text messages, folks. The pragmatic and the dreamer. So it can be easy for some of us in this room tonight. I heard some amens on the, when I mentioned otters. There's some, there's some otters here tonight. It's easy for us to get excited around the task, or the good Excited around the dream, the vision, it's harder for us to perform the task it takes to accomplish the vision. So over time, I've learned how to compensate for that little quirk of personality and, and, help, and help myself follow through and implement my dreams and goals and visions in my life and in the kingdom of God. So, for instance, right now we're working on Move the Mission. This is what She's for Christ was formerly it was formerly known as She's for Christ. Now it's called Move the Mission. You're going to be hearing more about this very soon. Our students, you're going to be hearing formally a launch on this very soon. And so we, we've got goals. We've got benchmarks. We've got a, we're putting some ideas in place. We've got ideas. We've got a mission. We've got a vision of what we want to accomplish, how much money we want to raise. And I know me. I know that I will get, get all that together like we've done and then... Just think that it's magically going to accomplish itself some kind of way. We're going to magically raise this amount of money for move the mission. So what I do, what I've learned to do, my, my hack, my life hack, what, I, what I've learned to do is, is I've started, when, I, when I've got the vision, when I've got the goal, we've got, we know how much money we want to raise. We know the goal we want to put out in front of the young people. We know uh, some of the ideas we have uh, to raise the money. So what I do now, I write down, physically write down the next step. What the next action step I need to do. The next action step, the next thing I need to do is to contact Sister Sheila in the church office and go over the church calendar. I write it down. I've got to do that step. That's my next step. After that, I need to send some text messages. I need to talk to some people. I write those next couple of steps. Now, I don't write down all the steps. Not everything that has to be done. I write down the next step. And therein lies the key to achieving your vision. Whether you're wired like me and have difficulty with the follow through. Whether you have visions and goals and dreams for your life. And you've just become a little discouraged along the way. Whether you're here tonight and you've just lost motivation around your dreams and goals and visions. And need to be motivated. The key, whatever it is, wherever category you're in. The key to achieving your vision is to implement the law of incremental change. The law of incremental change. So let's look tonight at this law and what it means. It's so simple, anyone can do it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 back to our text says, Whatsoever a man soweth that will he also reap. We understand that. We know that if we plant an apple tree we're going to get 
an apple tree. But there is another spiritual truth implied here. And that is, is that when you plant something, there is a process that has to happen before fruit is born. So when you put a seed in the ground, when you sow, there are changes that that seed makes in the dirt, in the ground, imperceptibly, daily, that you don't even see. You don't even know it's happening. But one day, all of a sudden, the plant shoots up out of the ground. And then, before you know it, it begins to mature. Before you know it, you have fruit. But there is a, there is a daily incremental change that is almost imperceptible that it goes through before the fruit is born. If you plant a seed, you're not going to reap the fruit the next day. We know that. We know it's not going to happen overnight, literally. But that process, that daily marching on towards the goal, that law of incremental change, sometimes unnoticeable, will bear fruit. In the long run, consider the Chinese bamboo. If you plant a Chinese bamboo, the the plant, the Chinese bamboo, in the first year, nothing visible happens with that. In year two, nothing visible happens with the Chinese bamboo. In year three, nothing visible happens with the Chinese bamboo. Guess what happens in year four? Absolutely nothing that you can see. You would think that it's not growing at all. However, deep below the ground, it is cultivating a massive root system. And in the fifth year, that Chinese bamboo will shoot up sometimes over 80 feet. And we would look at that and say, well, that Chinese bamboo grew overnight. It grew all, just all of a sudden, it just grew overnight. But in reality, it was growing for over five years. Incremental by incremental change. Little by little. Sometimes no measurable growth. But when it came time, it shot up to over 80 feet. So most people think that you have to make some sort of massive change to see your goals achieved. Most people think that you have to make some kind of massive action toward your vision to see it happen. That I I write my vision down, I write my goal down, I, I get all excited about whatever it is I want to accomplish. We see this around New Year's resolution time. And I've got to go out and I've just got to do, I've got to move heaven and earth in one day to make it happen. On the contrary, though, most people who achieve anything in life do so by living out the law of incremental change. And the law of incremental change simply says this small investments made daily add up to big change over time. I'll say it again since all of you are writing down notes furiously and I know you want to make sure you copy that very carefully. Small investments made daily, small investments made daily add up to big change over time. That, my friends, is the key to accomplishing any goal, accomplishing any vision, accomplishing any dream. Clarify your vision, write down your goals and then make small investments daily to achieve your goal over time. So for instance, let's look at a few examples. Let's look at a for instance. For instance, let's say that you're here tonight and you wanted to read your Bible through from cover to cover. That's a, that's a goal you've had for a long time and you want to read your Bible through. 
you're not going to sit down with your Bible and read it all through and say 24 hours or 48 hours or three days or however long it would take you to read it back uh, cover to cover in one sitting. That is not, I, I don't know anybody that could do that. But we all, or most of us know here tonight that if you read your Bible 15 minutes a day on a plan, that by the end of 365 days you will have read your Bible through. We, we've chosen to do that this year with, with our kids uh, at home. We're reading the Bible aloud as a family together. And I can tell you, even reading it aloud, it only takes about 15 minutes a day. On January 1st, you know what? We hadn't read any of the Bible, not, not any of it. Uh, on our, I'm talking about on our goal. We've read the Bible, but not on our goal for the year. Thank you, I, I thank you for giving me a little latitude on that. I'm glad I caught that and fixed that before it got by me. We had not read it on our goal for the year. But here we are on April 21st, and we've read a significant... We're, we're just about to finish Deuteronomy, so we've read the five books of Moses. We've almost completed... We have one book level of completed the Gospels, and we're just marching right on down through our goal in small 15-minute increments. If you have a goal, if you wanted to change your health in some way, diet, exercise... You're not going to set about doing that today and see all of the results happen tomorrow when you wake up. But if you do a little something every day towards that goal of changing your health, over time you will see results. Um, if you want to develop spiritual disciplines such as prayer and fasting, you're probably not going to go on a 30-day fast the first time you try or a 7-day fast the first time you try. You're probably not going to pray two hours the first time you sit down to pray. But... 10 minutes of prayer today and 15 minutes of prayer tomorrow, a fast day this week and, and a three-day fast you know, later, later on in a month or so. And over time, you've developed these spiritual disciplines that you would like to see implemented in your life. I want to speak for just a quick moment on relationships. All of us have relationships that we want to improve in some kind of way. Whatever the, that, that may be in the workforce, it may be in the home. We want to improve our relationships. And if, it, if it's a relationship that needs work, if it's a relationship that needs changing, it's not going to happen in one meeting with that person. It's not going to happen over one lunch. It's not going to happen over one telephone call. But, but over time, small investments in that relationship made over time, you may just look back in five or ten years 15 years and say, wow, look how far this relationship has progressed. It's small investments made daily that up to add up to big change over time. Now, I want you to consider with me what I'm talking to you about tonight may seem pretty elementary. This may seem like real obvious, like you're not telling me anything I don't know. And I actually hope that's the case. I hope that this is so obvious and you're thinking, Dave, this is, this is like not genius in any way. At all, I already know this. But I want you to consider this with me. Even if we already know this, it's a lot more difficult to live out than you may think. It's a lot more difficult to implement than you may think. Not only because of our different personality quirks, which I've just given you some of the, the ups and downs of my personality, but also because our culture, our society works against this idea. I want you to stop and think about that for just a minute. We live in a society where we want everything instantly, don't we? It's a, it's a, it's a buy now, pay later society. And I got to thinking about it. If it's buy now, pay later, you're really not buying now. 
You're just taking delivery now. You're, you're, you're paying and buying later. Isn't that right? But pretty much anything you want, you can go get today. And you can pay on time. You can pay later. You know, 90 days, same as cash, whatever. And, 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 and we have, and it's not just that. It's, it's, it's everything. We expect everything to happen so fast and so quickly now. Talking to somebody the other day about just about how quickly... Uh, life happens in the, in the information in the workforce and, 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 and just with the kids at school, the information is coming at us constantly and we have to, we have to find a way to process that and, and to implement it and, and everything just happens so quickly in our culture. I mean, if our COVID test doesn't come back in 15 minutes or less, it's taken too long. We want to know whether we have COVID in 15 minutes or less because we need to know and we need to keep going on with our You've seen these billboards for, I don't have time to be sick, right? They want you to go to the this advertisement for the after hours. I don't have time to be sick, so, so just take care of this and let me get back to my, to my life. I want you to make it go away. And this wars against the idea that I just shared with you, that small investments made over time add up to big change. And it's definitely not a concept found in the Word of God. God absolutely does not get in a hurry. And with our development and with, with things that we make up our mind to do in the kingdom of God and, and, and implementing vision in our lives and even in our, in our church and in ministry areas we want to be a part of, oftentimes God takes time to process us through that. And it never happens quickly. God is, God is more slow cooker than he is microwave. It's true. It's true. I'm always, I've always been fascinated by, by the uh, scripture in the, in the Bible that says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. When the fullness of time. In other words, when God's time was perfect, he didn't even get in a hurry with salvation. He didn't even get in a hurry uh, coming to earth to redeem us. He, he, he had a time frame in mind for that. And so if he had a time frame in mind for that, what makes you think that he's going to hurry up and, and, and give you your dream, your vision, your, your opportunity overnight just because you want it quickly? It takes time. And I really want our young people to, to understand that and get that because, because uh, of what I just said. You live in a culture. You live in a society. I think adults probably have more context from the way things used to be. Yes, I'm getting old and using phrases like the way things used to be, but we have more of a context to filter it. But our students, our young people, you only know this, this fast-paced movement, uh, society moving at such, a, at such a pace that you need to understand that in the kingdom of God, it takes time. God does not get in a hurry. He is more slow cooker than he is microwave. So small investments, small investments made daily add up to big change. Don't get discouraged with your dream. Don't get, get discouraged with your vision. Don't get discouraged with your goal. But be, be stalwart enough and, and have enough strength to say, today I will do something no matter how small, no matter how insignificant it may, may be, I will do something to move me a little closer to my vision and I will surrender to the time that it takes to get there. Let me give you a great example of this. You're, you're, you're sitting in an environment and a physical location that is a tremendous example of small changes, small investments made over time that add up 
to the fulfillment of the vision. It's taking almost now 30 years for Grace Church to be what you see here tonight, what you're experiencing here tonight. And I'm talking about in terms of environment, talking about in terms of culture, and I'm also talking about in terms of our campus. Nearly 30 years ago, it's been almost 30 years ago now, um, when pastor, the Murphys, were elected as pastor when the church was in Baker. There were something like eight members that voted. I, I may not have that number exactly right, but there were something like eight members that voted the Murphys in as pastor. And some of those left after the meeting and never came back. So they, they started with a small, small nucleus, to say the least. And in addition to that, the church building had just been flooded out completely. Along the scale and along the lines of what we experienced in 2016 in a, in a more widespread fashion. But in, in that day, it had happened in Baker, in that area of Baker, kind of on that scale. And the church had been completely flooded out uh, the, the floor. The, I remember very distinctly, first time I ever walked in the building, all the carpet had been ripped up, so it was just that concrete exposed and just that old glue and, and yuck and horrible. They'd ripped up all the pews. The, the sheetrock was bad. The, there was places in the ceiling. Lighting had been blown out, you know, the electrical, all that stuff. It was, it was a mess, to say the least. The piano was out of tune. There were no drums. There's no bass guitar. And I remember the days when Pastor played his guitar and Sister Murphy sang that was the worship team. I got there. That's right. I got some amens on that, folks, that remember. It's exactly right. But here's the point. They could have said, now, they, they came with great vision. They came with great dream. They had a plan. They had a goal. They had a dream, a vision. They saw a church of hundreds, if not thousands, they, they saw the environment much like we're experiencing here tonight. They saw equipment and pray, praise team and multimedia, all that stuff. They saw it in their mind. They saw it in their vision. But it wasn't there. That's not the reality at all. And 30 years ago, they could have said, they could have said, you know, our vision is so far beyond what this reality is right here. The hundreds that we see, the campus that we see, it, it, it doesn't even look anything like this. So... Why even try? Why, why even get into the mix and, and try to move along? Why don't we just kick back and wait and let God just drop something better on our laps? Why don't we just pray and fast? And we did pray and fast, but that's not all we did, as I'm about to demonstrate. And just see if God will just drop something out of the heavens upon us that would be better than this and more aligned with our vision. Maybe we can just show up to church even though we know probably nobody else will, they could have thought. And we can wing it the best we can. No forethought, no, no plan. Pastor can just give a glorified testimony instead of preaching. And uh, we'll do the best we can. If, if by chance somebody does come, we'll have them sit on the flooded out concrete floor. If they want to pray, we'll, we'll try to muster a little prayer. And, and maybe, just maybe, somehow we'll get lucky and our vision will come to pass. Had they done that, I can guarantee you we wouldn't be here tonight. And we wouldn't be experiencing what we're experiencing tonight. But let me tell you what the Murphys did do. Let me tell you what Pastor and Sister Murph and, and family did do. They, they, they made incremental small changes every day that took them one step closer to the goal. 
New carpet was installed and the pews put back in place. That, that was a win right there. Just, just let's get that. Let's just get the carpet in, the pews in. Let's start there. They started looking around for an affordable sound system that would, would at least be better than the one they had, which I believe was nothing at all, if I, if I remember correctly. They got the, the yard looking good and presentable, got, got some fresh paint on the walls and, and the ceiling, got the, got, the, um, got the building looking good. That was a step. That was an incremental change. It, it wasn't this. It, it didn't necessarily even draw a crowd, but it was a small step, an incremental change that took us closer to the goal. Before long, we had people coming. Uh, all of a sudden, before you knew it, a bunch of young people started pouring in, including the Bunch Boys and the, the Nose Boys and Marcus and Casey, some others. We had enough young people. Pastor called in Greg Albritton, and we did a youth, a youth weekend, a youth revival. It started feeling a little bit more like real church. Before long, we had, before long, we had families and and, and, and married with kids coming, and it was enough to have, a, have Brother Robert Trapani come in and do a family weekend, family, family conference. Before you knew it, the people were at a place where they could handle the meat of the word, and we, we had many, many years in a row had prophecy conference with Brother Jeff Moses. Before long, it was functioning like a real church, and we had people coming, and before long, the, the building got too small, and, and, and God gave us this one. And that first time we were in this building, it wasn't where we wanted it to be that night either. And, our, and our, our first small incremental step of change that night was just to get the awful faux flower arrangement out of the lobby and, 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 just, and just go from there. That was step number one, wasn't it? That was our incremental change for the day. But it took us one step closer to the goal. And now here we are tonight, with a, well, you don't need me to go into all the wonderful things that we experience here week in and week out with all of the equipment, the lights, the sound, the people, the serve teams. Last time I, I heard it was over 17 serve teams, small groups, uh, fully functioning church, well over 400 uh, people on our, on our roster that are affiliated with the church. But it all began 30 years ago with small, daily, incremental change to implement the vision and the goal and the progress that you see tonight. And here's a, here's a, here's a heads up, here's a behind the scenes tip. Pastor is still doing it now to get us to the next level, to the next phase. He's making small, daily, incremental investments and changes in Grace Church that's going to take us to the next level. Let me, um, let me give you one more example that is an example of what happens if you don't make Small incremental changes that add up to big change. Let me show you opportunity lost. My first job out of college, business degree, was with a corporation in town. And I was so excited about finally getting out into the real world, finally getting a job. Fair and I had just gotten married, so we, you know, we were putting down roots. We were making plans. She was still in school, and it just was really good to have a... a, a, a a dependable salary, a dependable job. It was uh, not a lot of money, but it was uh, the, the going wage for just out of college with a degree, starting in a corporation. It was a fair wage. I was excited about it. felt like I was ready to make my mark on the world. And my, the guy that hired me, I'll never forget him, never forget him, uh, Gary. Uh, I won't say his last name since we're on live stream. We, Gary was just a wonderful man. I learned a lot from him. I, I've always felt like he gave me my shot. You know, he was my, he's the one that hired me, gave me a shot out of college. 
And he called me and he said, I know you just finished up with HR and you got all that squared away. He said, I'm going to tell you something, Dave. He said, if you will invest in 401k 10% of your paycheck, starting with the first paycheck you get, you start with that first paycheck you get in a couple weeks. Take 10%, put it in 401k. Of course, you, you amend that as you get promotions and as, as your wages change. But 10% is all it takes of your paycheck, every paycheck. By the age of 50, you will be a millionaire if you will do that. I was 22 years old. 50 seemed like a long ways away. Plus, at 22 and a college degree... I knew way more than Gary knew, I can, I can assure you. I had all of the experience and knowledge and smarts. I didn't need his advice. Well, guess what? I'm a whole lot closer to 50 tonight. And by virtue of the fact that I did not take Gary's advice and make small investments in my, uh, to the tune of 10% of my 401k uh, week or biweekly, I am nowhere close to being a millionaire. And here's the part that really hurts. I, I've come to grips with that. You know, I, I had to admit it to myself. There was nothing I could, I could do. I can't go back and reverse history. But I'm going to tell you what really hurt. I was having that same conversation with a guy at work not, not a couple of years ago. A guy who incidentally retired about a month ago. And I told him that little story. He said, yeah. He said, Dave, I can tell you that's true. He said, that's absolutely true. I know because I did it. I invested 10% of my paycheck. I'm a millionaire today. And I said, do you want me to throat punch you now or when we go outside later? No, I, I didn't say that because obviously it wasn't his problem, it was mine. My point is, is those are missed opportunities. Those are missed opportunities to make small investments over time that add up to big change. You and I, most of us here tonight, I don't know anybody here that's going to be a millionaire overnight. I don't know anybody that has... The solution, the get-rich-quick scheme to be a millionaire overnight. But a small investment made over the course of many, 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 many years is the law of incremental change. So tonight, by application, I'm, I'm finishing, I'm finishing, I'm concluding, coming in for a landing here. If you want to be a better witness, if your vision, you just really feel called of God, He's put it on your heart, you want, to, you want to evangelize your world, you want to be a witness for God. Don't wait for Him to put a big neon sign over somebody and say, there's the person I want you to witness to. Don't wait for some great mystical spiritual experience to happen and you say, this is, this is my moment. Instead, think about what the small incremental Step could be to get you closer to your goal. Maybe it's just to go introduce yourself to your neighbor that you've never met. Or if you have met your neighbor, maybe you just make them a plate of brownies and go over there and tell them you're thinking about them and praying for them. But whatever it is, make a small step. Don't sit around and lose opportunities because you're waiting for God to give you a thousand soul revival. If your goal is to teach a Bible study, the same thing. Don't wait for some great, grandiose Sunday experience that's going to propel you into the mission field. But just take a first step. It might just be to purchase a Bible study and make yourself familiar with it. It might just be to identify a Bible study candidate and go talk to them about the possibility of giving a Bible, step, but, uh, giving a Bible study. But take the next step. You may feel called to be a prayer warrior, an intercessor, 
but you don't feel like you can pray that way or, or for that length of time, just take a step. Just take a step of making a commitment to pray 10 minutes each day. May, it could just be as simple as writing in your calendar in big, in big red letters when the prayer times are at Grace Church, such as First Tuesday Prayer. But just take the next step. And if every day you will hold yourself accountable to taking the next step before long, you will find that you're way further down the road toward achieving your goals and achieving your vision than you ever thought you would be. Stand with me if you would tonight. In closing, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. And that's a very true statement. The question is, when you look back, will the change be change that you have created by taking the steps daily? Or will it be change that has just happened as the, as the tide of life has carried you along in meaningless directions? I want to encourage you tonight to take the next step. And I find encouragement uh, from the scripture that says, He, Paul writes, he says, He who began a good work in you, is faithful to fulfill it to the, to the day of Christ. God's going to do his part. He's going to do his process. He's going to see that you fulfill your dream. But you got to do your part too. you got to take the next step. Let's pray together tonight in dismissal. Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm thankful, Lord, that every time we come together, you challenge us. Lord, you, you stretch our minds. You stretch our faith. You stretch our understanding. And I pray tonight would be no different. Let us leave challenged by your word and willing to take the next step, willing to make one incremental change tomorrow that will bring us a step closer to the vision you have placed in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Grace Church. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Gentlemen, don't forget men's prayer at 9 o'clock Saturday. And uh, uh, church in general, don't forget service on Sunday. God bless you. We'll see you then. Amen. <laughs>